Good morning. Is this still morning? Feels like afternoon. And autumn, I mean, come on, 19 years old. That's only like four years ago, right? All right. I'm Pastor Tony Bowes. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome you. And if after the service you have never met me before or you're brand new here, I'm going to be back there. I'd love to get to know you. If you have any questions about this place, love to, to tell you about uh, who we are and what we do uh, to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus. And if you're watching online or wherever you are at home or on a boat watching online, taking a break or up north or south or wherever you are, privilege to, to welcome you into this place and hear God's word and be fed right here in this place. Um, I think, um, you know, as we, we, we talk about Romans, it's, it's kind of a tough, tough uh, few chapters that we're in. And so I'm just going to just take a minute um, and pray. So would you bow your heads and let's just pray. Father, thank you for uh, this opportunity to worship you in this place, to receive from you what you would have us to receive, to remember your promises and Lord, I ask just now that your spirit would be on us, that when your word is spoken, you truly would work to open hearts and minds and ears to the promises you have for us, that you love us no matter what because of your son, Jesus, our Savior. So bless this time now um, for all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We get to celebrate Holy Communion after the message. So if you came in and you forgot the communion elements, the hospitality team is going to be coming down. Raise your hand high. Don't worry about it. Don't be shy. If you want to receive uh, those elements, just raise them high. As, as they come down, they'll find you. And so as we begin, here's a question for you, okay? Do you ever people watch? Don't have to raise your hand because you'll confuse the hospitality team. But do you ever people watch? Good, you're following along. That's a joke. Good, good. Um, you know, people watching, right, it can happen anywhere, at a park, right, at a mall, at a doctor's office. But where I find myself people watching the most is when I'm at an airport. You know, if I'm on a mission trip or going to wherever or if I'm going back to St. Louis, I'm at an airport. And I love not to really have a nose in my book or in my phone, but, but just watch people because they're so interesting at, at airports. And whatever they're toting around, you know, they're coming and they're going. I'm wondering, you wonder where they're going, you know. And truth be told, I actually look for famous people. Yeah. And, and I actually met a couple famous people. You can ask me after the service. I don't have time to get into that. But ask me after the service who I met. I'll, I'll be happy to tell you. But what do you think when you people watch? What do you wonder about them? And have you ever wondered if they're a Christian or not? If they're a follower of Jesus? Ever wondered that? I did. You know, and, and basically you really can't tell, can you? You can't tell if they're a baptized believer or they're not a baptized follower of Jesus. You can't tell if they're saved or they're not saved. You can't tell if they're going to be spending time in eternity with Jesus or if they're going to be spending a time separately forever in a place called hell. But there's really no discernible outward way of knowing if someone's a follower of Jesus by, by just looking at them. Ultimately, right, God only knows. And so... We're in this very creative sermon series titled called the Book of Romans, or Romans. We're in it, right in the middle of it. And I think, you know, uh, Pastor Joe's been just mining a whole lot of nuggets for us. Hasn't he been doing a great job of leading us through Romans? Thank you, Pastor Joe, wherever you are. 
full of theology, full of spiritual doctrines. I love the way he said it. You know what? If you're confused about reading this book, it's not your fault. It's the preacher's fault. And so here's my advice to you as you go through, you know, during the week, the book of Romans. Be patient with yourself when you read it. Take it in little chunks. And actually, you know what? If you don't have a Bible that has a, a study notes, I'd really recommend the Concordia Self-Study Bible. It is awesome. When you, when you get stuck or whatever, you go down to the notes, it takes you another place of Scripture, then to another place of Scripture, and it really just lets the Word of God speak and interpret Scripture. So get a study Bible, Concordia Self-Study Bible. It's online uh, all over the place. Um, but it's full, this book, this book of Romans is full of deep theology, full of great spiritual doctrines. We're going to get right into the heart of it in Romans 7. I know Pastor Joe has really talked about Romans 7 as a base for this. But it's, it's describing the real tension for us as we follow Jesus. As we live our lives as, as called out by God, holy and cleansed by God. But knowing that there's this battle, there's this tension of living life new in Christ. But still in our old sinful bodies. I mean that's... That's the battle, that's the struggle, and it's more like, just like when you look at people, right, you can't see if they're a follower of Jesus outwardly, but it's more inward. The struggle, the war, the tension, it's, it's an inward struggle that we all experience. And the writer of Romans, Paul, really in this chapter is open and honest and vulnerable with his struggle, and I think we can all uh, relate to what he has to tell us. And so if you have your Bibles open, Romans chapter 7, if you have your phones or whatever device you have to go there, it's also on the screen. We're going to read in just a few minutes, but, but just kind of prepping for this, right? Paul's going to make a point of uh, our human nature, that we have two natures in us, that we all live under the curse of Adam and Eve. It's sin. And we deserve the punishment that God rightly has that he says for breaking God's laws. But he wants us to understand there's an obligation that we have to God's law. And so in chapter 7, the beginning verses, he gives a great illustration. And if you can boil down those first several verses of chapter 7, it would be this. In marriage, the spouses are bound to each other until death breaks their union. That's, that's pretty much it. And, in, and to think about being a pastor, I think for some 20 years now, uh, the, the amount of times I said what God has joined together, let no one separate. A few weeks ago, I was in the, uh, going out of the service and I met a couple that I don't know how many years ago. Uh, that I married them, but here they are, and I forgot their names. And then they came in today, and I said, Cardego, I got it. Well, God has joined together, let no one separate. You know, it's just so many couples that we marry here. And then to see their children along with them, and now they're taking notes and they're drawing, that's awesome. But it's this illustration Paul is having in Romans 7. It's not just for married people, but it's also for single people. Because the truth of Scripture Paul's wanting to make is that we're all bound to God's law until death occurs. It can't be separated. Death brings freedom to that obligation. So follow along with me beginning in verse 1. Do you not know, brothers and sisters, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that the law has authority over someone only as long as that person lives. For example, a law, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she's released from the law that binds her to him. So then, if she has sexual relations with another man while her husband is still alive, she's called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she's released from that law and is not an adulteress if, he, if she marries another man. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law. 
through the body of Christ that you might belong to another. To him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. So skip to verse 6. But now by dying what to once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of life of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Does it make a little sense? We're obligated to our spouse, right, when we're married. And if one dies, then Paul says, then the other one's not obligated anymore. They're free to marry another in the same way as human beings. We're obligated to living under God's laws. And then the punishment that comes also when we break them. But then Paul gives us good news in verses 4 and verses 6. He says this, we died to the law. We died to the law. And in verse 6, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. That's good news, Paul. But wait a minute. How did we exactly die? When did that happen? How did that happen? I'll take you back to Romans chapter 6 that, that Joe spoke on for two weeks now. Romans 6 verse 3 says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. I'm going to pause there for just a minute and I want you to think about this. Basically when you see a baptism it's kind of like a funeral. A spiritual death happens. It's kind of crazy to think about it this way but it's really what happens when you see an infant, when you see an adult come to the waters of baptism they're drowned. Their sins are drowned. Right? In the waters of baptism, why? They could be, not, they're buried, right? The sins are buried, but then they raise up again in verse 4 in order that there can be a resurrection. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in death like this, we'll certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, when God speaks, it happens. When God says something, it's true. When the beginning of time, as a creator God, he spoke, right? He spoke life into existence. He said, let there be light. And there was what? There was light. When he says to Isaiah, you know what? A virgin's going to be with child. 700 years later, it happens. But it comes true. When God speaks, it happens. In our baptism, God spoke death to us and life. To the person being baptized. Dead to sin, right, before our true physical death. But also resurrected to a new life to be a new creation. And so he goes on in verse 6. For we know that our old self was crucified with him. So that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You with me so far? Are you following Paul's explanation here, this illustration of marriage? We're legally bound not only to the law, but with the law comes death and sin and being bound to that. It's the condition we're born into, but then here's the baptismal word of God. What's really true is that we die to the law through Jesus our Savior. God makes us dead in baptism. Praise God. So we're freed from this obligation to perfectly keep his laws. And then free really to be obligated to Jesus. We're, we're actually, we're married to him. Remember I cautioned you, right, as we read this book, it's this deep 
full of spiritual truths. And Paul is just writing. He's probably dictating this to some scribe, right? And uh, he's describing this everyday tension. But that's going to be later on in the chapter. Here's this middle section of Romans 7 where I kind of like Paul for doing this. Because uh, my family accuses me of doing the same thing. And maybe sometimes you accuse me of doing it. Man, Tony just went off on a tangent when he was preaching. What's he talking about? Right? Paul does the same thing, folks. So there. Ah. But sometimes when I go off on tangents, he's like, what are you talking about? And I, I kind of just jump back to my notes and then I, I go on and like, you can ask me later if you don't understand something, right? You see me, email me, text me, whatever. But Paul here is taking this break because he's, he's feeling that there's an important clarification that needs to be made. Before we get into how we live in this tension, he says, look, I'm talking a lot about God's law, but I don't want you to think about law as an enemy or a problem. I don't want you to come to the wrong conclusion about what, what God's law is all about. And so he, he speaks here, he writes here in verse 7, Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was if it had not been for the law. For I, I would have not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. Skip to verse 12. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? By no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death. So that through the commandment, sin might become utterly sinful. If you get the point of his clarification, we can't jump to assign blame to God's law and think that the law is bad. The laws are good, right? They show us the right way to live. They in fact just break our hearts to repent. That's what the law does, so it's a good thing. And God tells us this is what's best for you. And so we get to this main teaching of this chapter, and Pastor Joe kind of used this as a foundation, right? This tension of living as sinner and saint. Sinful but now saved believers. How do we do that? How do we continue living as Christ followers in, in this world as we have these two natures? So in preparing for this message, which I did Kind of a, a while ago because I, I took a mission trip last week to the UP with about five families. It was awesome. Really great way to serve, to bond together, and to help our, our, our partner church, Victory Lutheran Church near Sawyer Air Force Base. So I prepared this long ago, and as I came back to it this week, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's the theological word, word that I want to teach you this week. It's called forensic tension. Yeah, what is that, Pastor Tony? Forensic. When you hear the word forensic, doesn't it remind you of like CSI, all those criminal uh, uh, scene investigations, right? Forensic means what's really real. What's really real. The definition is something like this, that it's suitable in courts of justice or to public discussion that applies scientific knowledge to legal problems. Forensic. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are forensically dead. We didn't feel it, right? At our baptism, though, God pronounced us forensically dead. Funeral. And no more, I have an obligation to live under the law. That's the good news. When we're baptized, when we believe, we have a new nature. And that nature gives, brings the Holy Spirit. And also, don't forget an obligation to be married to Jesus, to follow Jesus. That's the forensic truth. But now... We get to read in chapter 7 how we kind of, the struggle. And before we read that, I want to tell you a little story. 
Um, because I think it applies to this theological truth about the deadness that we have in our own sinfulness and the deadness that we have uh, in Satan, really. So um, it was back in 1985. How many were alive back there? 1985. So I was born in the Philippines. Many of you know that. Uh, I came here when I was four and a half to St. Louis, Missouri. Moved up here when I was about 40. But between ages 10 to 18, I went back to the Philippines many times. When I was 10, when I was 13, when I was 16, I was 18. And I um, lived there for two months. So I got to know the language. My, my, my native tongue was Bicolano. I got to understand a little bit of my cousins, just enough for them to make fun of me, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to speak the language. I'm trying to understand. I'm, I'm in the Philippines. Um, and every there, everybody in my barrio, the village there, they're all related to me somehow. They're like first cousins, second cousins, third cousins. My great aunt, my aunt said, oh, yeah, that's your cousin. Who is he? Who is she? Oh, yeah, that's your cousin. Sometimes I'm sleeping at different houses, you know, because we're playing until till it gets dark. Well, during the full moon in the Philippines, I didn't know this, but my uncles and, like, the older guys, they go out and search for snakes. That's a fun thing to do during full moon, right? And so I'm dead asleep on a bamboo floor in a nipa hut, and my cousin goes, Anto! Anto is short for Antonio. That's my first name, Antonio Codillo Bose. Uh, Anto! Dali, dali, na! Wake up, you know, come here. Wake up, come here. So I, I, I put on, well, I, yeah, I won't go into that. Get out of the mosquito net. I have clothes on. <laughs> Minimal. But anyway, uh, I get out of there. The, there's a full moon. Uh, we live on top of like a hill. The river's down below. Dogs are barking because we have guard dogs, right? Uh, a bunch of uh, these young guys are, are with these lanterns. And all of a sudden, one of my cousins just gives me a snake. Here's a picture. My mind is going, yeah, I know, I was a skinny guy. Uh, my mind's racing, right? I'm like, what is just happening? I can barely see. That's a fake smile if I'm even, yeah, I'm, my heart's beating a mile a minute, right? Why? Because that snake is still squirming, right? It is still wrapped, trying to wrap itself around the leg. What I didn't realize is that the snake, is, his head is half cut off, right? So it's dead. But guess what? If that were a poisonous snake, guess what the fangs could do? Poison me, injure me, kill me. I'm in the middle of the jungle, right? It's like, what is this, a Filipino cobra? Is it a pit viper? It was only a python. You know, big deal, right? They have teeth, don't they? Pythons? I mean, still could hurt me. And so I just, I bring that experience to you because this is what I feel like how sin and the devil still could damage Christians even though the devil is truly dead. And even though our sinful nature is truly dead because what is forensically real, what is really real, and the truth is we're dead to sin and God's law. But we still live in this body this body, that, this old human nature. And that's the two natures that we're going to read. Okay? Romans chapter 7 verse 15. It's kind of the one that we've read several times over our series. I do not understand, Paul says, what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it's no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that, that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not 
do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, it's sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul describes this real struggle that Christians have with our sinful flesh that want to do bad things, but our new hearts, our new natures want to do the right things that, that please God. And it's this internal war that happens, this tension that as we live this life as Christians, how do we live? Paul describes it. Remember Paul, he's a Christian now. We're not talking about Paul who was on the road to Damascus and before that it was killing and persecuting Christians. We're talking about Paul who's a believer and he's got this struggle. So the greatest missionary ever, in my opinion, can say these things. Guess what? I'm kind of okay. You're kind of okay. Can we relate to what Paul has as a battle? Can we? I can. Absolutely. I love the way Charles Spurgeon says it. He's a 19th century preacher and theologian. He has excellent words. I'm just going to read it. It's kind of lengthy, but... But I'm sure you'll find it helpful as I did. He says, carnal men, unrenewed men have one nature. A nature what they inherited from their parents. The carnal mind is fallen and is at enmity to God. Does not know the things of God, nor can it ever know them. Now, when a man becomes a Christian, he becomes so through the infusion of a new nature. The Holy Spirit enters into him and implants in him a new life. It is, in fact, the divine nature. It is the spirit of God dwelling in man. Thus, you see, the Christian becomes double man. Two men in one. Some have imagined that the old nature is turned out of the Christian. Not so. For the word of God and experience teach the contrary. The old nature is in the Christian unchanged. Just the same, as bad as it ever was. While the new nature in him is holy, pure, and heavenly. And hence, there arises a conflict between the two. There was never a deadlier feud in all the world than there is between the two such desperate enemies, cabined and confined within this narrow house, man. They're always at enmity wherever they are. They were never friends and never can be. These two natures will never cease to struggle so long as we are in the world those good words I love the way he described it in Paul is just he's teaching right from what the Paul was saying right this constant tension that we live both as sinner and saint at the same time and I hope as you read this as you read Spurgeon and, and Paul's words that it would bring you comfort that when we get angry at ourselves for falling into sin and again and again we know that the battle continues when we have to repent again and again guess what that's normal Thank God that you're even having the ability to say, I'm sorry. Because when you say, I'm sorry, the Holy Spirit is in you and you're in the battle and you're in the thick of things. Just like every other follower of Jesus. Just like Paul. We continue to sin daily. We can look to Christ then. 
Don't begin to look inward. When things like that happen, look outward. Say what is really forensically true. Christ died on the cross. He rose again from the dead for you and for me. Amen. And praise God that Jesus would become sin for us, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5.21, right? For God gave him as a sin offering, the righteous for the unrighteous, so that he would bring us to God. That was 2 Peter. I just forgot what 2 Corinthians 5.21 is. Yes, before that, yes. He became sin for us. Look it up. I was on a roll. 2 Corinthians 5.21, it's the best. It's one of my favorite, and I forgot the words because I'm thinking about poisonous snakes and everything, right? He took the poisonous bite, really, out of sting. You could say it this way. Jesus is the antiserum. He's the antiserum to the poison of the law for us, that he would let the law kill him instead of us. And so he rises from the dead, he defeats death, he defeats sin, he defeats the devil for us. Those are forensic truths, that's what's really real. Jesus is the way that God offers forgiveness for us. And so when guilt torments you, right, when you think, how could God possibly love me, I was just in this again, right, we look to the cross. When you feel terrible that you failed to control your tongue or other parts of your body, your eyes, all that, Jesus reminds you, guess what? I gave you a new nature. I remind myself that all the time. You're looking at a saved but sinful pastor. I remind myself that Jesus died the death I deserve. Jesus removed any reason for God to damn me to hell. He removed God's wrath from me. And I'm forgiven. I have peace with God. Amen. Amen. And guess what? When Paul's writing these words, I don't think he's just writing, and if he's dictating or he's writing, whatever he's doing, I believe he's probably yelling at the top of his lungs, verse 25. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whew. Amen. So what do we do now? What do we do as Christ followers and we live in this tension? Guess what? We keep running to Jesus. We keep running to Jesus for strength and endurance for our lives as we live in this sinful world. We keep repenting. We keep turning towards the cross. You keep coming to church. You keep reading your Bible. You keep doing your devotions. You keep to be with small groups. You get close with other Christians so that they can speak the word of God to you. I mean, just think about it. We're only on this earth for a limited time. Thank you, Lord. Maybe 70, maybe 80, maybe 90 years, right? But not a single one of us will ever reach a point when we no longer sin. Because we're always going to have two natures. The struggle is real. It's constant. But he gives us good news. A forensic truth that we are a sinless saint in the eyes of God. I want you to read what he writes in Galatians, Paul does. Let's read it together. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Stop there. I've been crucified. That's what's really real. I've been crucified with him. Christ lives in me. Okay, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. That's what's real, real, really real. He that is in you is greater than what? He who's in the world. He's that in you is greater than he who is in the world. That snake is dead. Our old sinful nature is dead. When you people watch, right? When you look at people and you say, hey, are they following Jesus or not? Guess what? Even if they're not, they're precious to God. They need to know this truth. They, yeah, we can't tell who's a Christian and who's not. I mean, sometimes we act like unbelievers, don't we? Not sometimes, a lot of times. What's the difference? Christ is the difference. Jesus, our Savior. When we look at other Christians and you look at me, man, that Pastor Tony's got it all together. Not. I'm struggling just like you. You look at my family, kids that are up here, whatever, right? We all struggle, amen? But God gave us the solution. It's Jesus. This tension that we live in, we have promises of God that outweigh our sin, our shame, and our guilt. That's awesome. So sinners and saints, would you bow your heads? I don't know what your week was like. I don't know what your day was like, the few hours before church. I don't know. But I do know this, that we sin daily. And then we need to keep asking God to meet us right here, God, in this place. Meet us with your words of forgiveness and your grace. So as you prepare your hearts to receive him in this place, would you confess and repent of your sin? Those that you feel guilty from, those secret sins that only God knows, those times where you failed him with thoughts and words that went against him, those times when your actions and inactions didn't represent him to your neighbor, your family, your spouse, your friend. Here's the forensic truth of Scripture. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed your transgressions, your sins from you. You start new today. Your faith in Jesus saves you from what you deserve. And instead, there's love and forgiveness right here in what you're about to receive.